Hey, let's go answer the bell, huh? If we just know what we're doing, work at it, and concentrate and do it. And we are off. Welcome into another episode of the Patriots Podcast. I'm Sean here with Ryan and JJ. Hello. What's up? Hello, indeed. Uh, how about this? It's our first kind of off-season podcast. Not not too much happening with the Patriots, but we want to talk through the wild card extravaganza, the six-game uh, lineup that we had to enjoy last weekend, and then and then look ahead to some of the divisional rounds. Pick a dark horse going forward. And uh, talk some shit, generally speaking. But uh, first of all, we we can we can start with the Patriots this week. Uh, there there wasn't too much in the news. The the only thing really that came up was Bill Belichick is gonna receive the Medal of Freedom, and then he's like, Nah, no thanks. I don't need to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like that that gets it's like Tiger Woods has it. Annika Sorenstam, who I always assumed was Swedish, <laughs> judging by that name, yeah. but uh, apparently she's American. But like it gets given out to athletes, coaches, that type of thing, and, and Belichick was like, "Given what happened last week in the Capitol, uh, no thanks, not doing it." Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good move. It's a, it's a smart move. Uh, you know, that's something that could easily lose you the locker room after the events of the week. Um, you go there and you you accept an award from, you know, I don't want to get too political, but no matter where you stand on the politics of it, um, what happened this week was wrong. And to go there in this time kind of doesn't show a real pulse or, or that you're in touch with, you know, what's going on. I, I think that's probably the really smart move. Um, I know they've handed out that award kind of sparingly in the past. And Trump, as a president, has handed it out like six to eight times. Like, he gives it out like candy. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a smart move. Uh, you know, same same thoughts there, just... It would have you go and accept that's going to look pretty bad with everything going on right now. So, as well avoid it, stay away from that. Avoid you know, especially except the locker room stuff too. You know, it says your your job will be affected by that political decision. You go there. So yeah, and then fortunate it, as the whole thing is, that's what you got to do. And in his statement, Belichick brought it directly back to the conversations and the focus that the team had. This year, in the wake of all the all the protests um, from last summer and, and all the leadership that's uh, been had in-house by the McCourty brothers, Matthew Slater, he mentioned Brandon King in that, which is a nice shout-out for a guy that was on IR all season. Uh, but he, he drew it directly back to that and put the focus back on his players and, and tried to build those bridges. It makes ultimate sense. And, and you would think uh, a head coach who's... You know, he, he got started in the NFL under a Nixon administration. You would think that, that this guy might might be, uh, you know, lag behind adapting with the times. And meanwhile, 68-year-old Bill Belichick right on the front line adapting with everything and uh, got full confidence that he's going to roll right into this offseason, figure out some, some shit nobody's expecting. We're one of the only mm-hmm. teams with cap space, got some draft capital for... Uh, the first time in a while. Um, so interested to see what happens with him. Now, other, mm-hmm. other where, I mean, other, other teams around the league, head coaching jobs are, are open. They're available. People are interviewing Arthur Smith from the Titans has interviewed multiple times with the Falcons already. And in terms of the Patriots, Gerard Mayo, who's been on the staff for like a year and a half, it feels like 
is already Ridiculous. getting head, head coaching <laughs> looks from the Eagles. Ridiculous. Yeah, impressive. 34 years old. It almost seems go. like anybody getting into coach. They've gone through so many coaches in so many years that, like, anybody getting in now, if you're there for, like, five years, ten years, it's like, hey, you're eventually going to get a head coaching job. It's, it's not going to take too long. That's what it's showing me. I mean, Mayo's an ex-player. I know that. But the guy's been a coach for three years. He's been on – not the defensive coordinator. Uh, linebackers coach. Two years. But you could you could hear when he was commentating and and uh, doing kind of TV shows, post-game shows, that he he was really good at, yeah. at coach. And the NFL is much more of a political thing and organizing than actually, like, calling plays. And, and you're more of, like, a figurehead than a coordinator. Um, depending on, on if you want to make it that way. But right. that's the way it seems to me. Um, yeah. There are there are guys that absolutely shoot through the coaching ranks. Mike Vrabel's one that comes to mind where he, he quit playing not that long ago, like maybe six, seven years ago, went to Ohio State, was a defensive assistant, rose through the ranks there, and then was a coordinator in the NFL. And before you knew it, he was a head coach just like that. Yeah. Uh, so – Mayo could be on a similar trajectory. I think Brian Flores um, interviewed somewhere before, like the year before. He, I think he interviewed with Arizona and then didn't didn't get offered the job, came back to the Patriots, was the coordinator that season, led him to a Super Bowl, shut down the Rams, the whole thing, and then he got another chance with the Dolphins. So it could be one of those situations where this is Mayo getting his feet wet in the interview pool, right. understand what teams are looking for, gain some good experience, probably get some pointers from Belichick. Um, right. And, that makes sense. Right. And then he'll get more responsibility in-house over the next year or two, and then he might be in a real position to take over a franchise. I mean, if you there just are... think about it, the amount of people that the Patriots have gone through, if we lose Gerard Mayo at coordinator right now, like our coaching staff will be have been gutted. Could lose McDaniels and him on top of everybody we already lost too. So it's like the I league is heard. looking for these guys. Crazy. We get picked apart every year. That's nothing new. I, I feel like defensive coordinator, we can't really keep much stability. Offensive coordinator, we've had Josh for a few years running. Uh, special teams, I think we lost uh, Joe Judge uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of good head coaching candidates. I haven't really heard Josh McDaniels' name mentioned with them. And after coming off the last season, that's not really that surprising. Eric Bieniemy yeah. is, uh, I mean, I would I would imagine he's the hot name. Uh, Doug Peterson just got fired, so I imagine I means what Super Bowl winning coach. Those are hard to find, even though I think he's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Ar- Arthur Smith, I really like uh, Texan or Titans offensive coordinator. I think he's done an awesome job there. Um, I love their offense. Uh, Robert Sala. 49ers defensive coordinator, yeah, uh, Todd Bowles, and I've heard um, I've heard Urban Meyer <laughs> with the Jaguars and uh, and the Lincoln Chargers Riley. and the Chargers now too. For uh, the Chargers for, one's funny, isn't it? Urban's getting offered that too. The Chargers one's the funniest because the Chargers were so bad, and then Lynn wins four games to end the season, and they fire him. They should have. <laughs> That's good that they did. I mean, he had to go. I it mean, was, it was bad. Was terrible. So funny. I bad. just think it's yeah. here. I can't, what do you think about Herb coming back? I don't know about that one. Uh, I think he's trying to. Well, Herb Meyer. He he likes to refresh his himself in the news cycle, where it's like yeah. he's he starts a job, he does really well, and then he's like ah my heart, 
And then, not that I'm trying to make light of anybody's health issues, but he's he keeps getting back into it. It's like, if you have the health problems, then stay away from the thing that's causing the health problems. Didn't he get out of it, though? Wasn't there all kinds of shit that was going down in Ohio State when he was there? or And Florida? Oh, yeah, there's always shit. Like, Everywhere. paying players and just special treatment. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's just... Is he, that what you're talking about? Yeah, like, leaving, I don't know, whatever you get in trouble. Leaving, like, just, yeah, shit show, and they're like, oh, all kinds of shit might be coming out that's not legal, and then he takes yeah. off, and you kind of, the best story gets kind of buried, and you're like, huh, wonder if actually he did anything there. Like, really bad. You never, in the Florida, they were like, that team was insane. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I don't know what, what to think. If he's not a long-term <laughs> solution at head coach anywhere, you know Jaguars? That. In Jacksonville, like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds like an ingenious plan. Oh, he's know. he's a legend in that area. That's right next to Gainesville. True. That's true. You know, what's surprising to me is uh, I forget the guy's name. The the coordinator for for Baltimore. I haven't yeah. heard his name uh, Wink. mentioned. Wink uh, Martindale. Because Martindale, how is he he's not linked with huge. any of these? I heard uh, my buddy that's on the Jets said that he heard him coming through and he really wants him. I mean, I don't know. From what nice. source that? But he's done such a good job there. I mean, uh, we can get into the games, but he's done a really good job there. I'm surprised that he hasn't at least. Uh, well, they'd have to wait till they were out, but they request an interview with him. Maybe that's what teams are waiting on. You know? Yeah, maybe he looks like an animal too. He looks like mm-hmm. an animal. I think that's what's souring people. Some, I mean, Coach Don Martindale or Wink Martindale with with the mullet and the cold gear with the cutoff sleeves and the backwards hat the whole thing i don't know get him get him a haircut (laughs) get him in there no get him in there i know hilarious i bet the players love him i bet they do um yeah so six head coaching vacancies some of the the interviews have begun some of the the best coaching candidates are still involved in play uh that'll play out i gotta think the chargers job is a great job jacksonville maybe they kind of stick with people doug marone got a long leash there the, the Falcons are in a bit of disarray, but strong ownership group. The Jets are horrible. The Lions, horrible. Uh, a lot of problems there. Pretty similar between the Lions and the Falcons. And then the Texans. <laughs> the Texans just keep pissing off Deshaun Watson. He's like basically James Hardening his way out of Houston. They're going to be superstarless in Houston. So supposedly Deshaun Watson was pissed off that they, he didn't have a say in who they were going to hire for head coach. And they didn't they didn't request an interview with Eric Bieniemy, And now there's reports coming out that they're requesting, you know, reluctantly, I guess. That's what it seems like. Uh, interview with Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> so Classic. I know just to appease him, I guess. To, so well, he doesn't... He, I heard Jackie's he doesn't like Jackie's to be there. Uh, Matt Patricia, how, he did a hell of a job there in Detroit, huh? <sighs> Left that place in a shithole. Yeah. What happened? How did it go so bad? <laughs> Bob Quinn when was it ever spent, good? Bob Quinn sent, spent so much money bringing in former Patriots, and none of them were good. And then what Patricia happened to Trey Flowers? They paid him so much money. I guess he hasn't even seen the field. He's just been injured, huh? I don't even know. I I, I really don't know. I, I, I looked watched. it up. He like plays nothing. He barely plays. I think he's hurt. Oh, or he's oh, out. Yeah, he's out he was... for the season this year. The year before, out for the season. Terrible. Twenty-two tackles. Two sacks this season? Yeah, that's He's going to get bad. cut this year and come back to the Patriots. You heard it here. Yeah, he played three games. Fucking cheap, like, on the cheap. Well, I don't, I don't know what his contract is. I imagine they must have paid him a lot of money to get him to, to sign there. 
Oh my um, God, ninety yeah. million over five yeah. years. Yeah, he was so a hell of a player for us. Years into it, the cap's probably nothing right now. Cap it. Doesn't it's probably seem huge like a player? With no, no dead cap. Just seems like a player like that would do so much good here. You know, his size. Oh my God, he'd be great He's to great have back. Here. Yeah, yeah. So disruptive. Yeah, he would be great. Uh, is Deshaun Watson getting traded to the Patriots? Let me make the case. Uh, Nick Casario tried to join the Houston front office a year ago. I think a year ago. And uh, just a year and a half ago. Via Jack Easterby. Gets denied by Belichick. Will not grant access for an interview or release him in any way for that job. Then, a year later, Easterby ousts everybody in the building. Bill O'Brien... No, everyone in the front office, the PR lady, he fired the fucking PR lady. This dude is cleaning house with his holy crossed one, the former chaplain for the Patriots. So <laughs> Easterby lures Nick Casario to Houston to be the GM down there, pays him $30 million over six years or five years, what, however it breaks down. And does Belichick allows this to happen? I don't know what it says about the his casario's contract the patriots i'm sure his contract was up and he was open to be poached by somebody else but is there a back channel deal where casario and easterby and belichick were like all right nick you can go to houston you run your own team you gotta send us deshaun watson for like a third and a fourth round pick <laughs> i don't know if easterby was involved but hey i don't know isn't his cap hit like ridiculous oh yeah like 40 million i know we we talked about this last week it would they would incur a dead cap hit of like 85 million dollars if they traded him so where's your it um, can't happen it can't happen i know but a boy can dream yeah there you go i would love it i hope it's true i mean i I would take him there's there's a lot of rumors saying um they're gonna trade tua and picks for him in uh miami i i don't know that's how can they do that though like you just said they're gonna trade Tua and picks so they can get their pick, so they can give their pick back to. Uh, I mean, it's the same pick they already traded to him, right? Yeah, yeah, that number three pick or four pick, wherever the number it three lands. pick. Oh my Tua. god! What wow. a shit show! What a shit show! Yeah, and they'll probably have to cut Laramie Tunsil so they could afford the cap hit, the cap acceleration. So the odds, Miami. <laughs> yeah, Vegas has the odds at two to one. The Patriots get him, which is the best of any team. I don't even see Miami on here. I don't know where What's these the odds, odds came of him staying? Sportsbetting.com has the Patriots two to one favorite to land Watson. Next is the Colts three to one. That's absurd. I don't even, I don't even see the Miami Dolphins on here. They're not, they're not even in the top ten. Wow, no I belief. Huh. Wow, weird. Yeah, weird. Well, yeah, who, who the heck knows? But we get, let's talk about some playoff football this weekend. We're all jacked up about the the six different games. Talking about which, what is the best matchup. I think I th- I thought the best matchup was going to be Ravens Titans. You guys both thought it was Buffalo Indy. It was hands down Buffalo against Indy. Uh, definitely definitely the best game there. I was watching this game like just the Colts stop screwing up, stop making bad decisions. <laughs> I was just so mad at Frank Reich all the time. He's they give up the chance. Well, they missed a field goal. They gave up the chance to kick a field goal from the five yard line. I mean, you're going for it on fourth and goal in the first half from the five yard line. I don't, I don't get that. I hate maybe, it. Maybe from the one or two it, yard yeah. line, if you have a great power run game, Philip Rivers can't QB sneak. Oh, no, not early. Do. You can't even do it that early in the game. Like I don't. Maybe if you have the greatest player to do it or something, but no, you don't go for it. It's from the, stupid. From the one yard line, Brady. 
I, yeah, from the one on fourth down. Yeah, I don't know. I go probably for not. It. not. I go for it that early. Kick the field goal. Get the points. Get some points on the board. And guess what? They lost by. I know they missed a kick. Uh, that's true. But they lost yeah. by three. You got those points instead of. Oh, you would have been in overtime. You would have had another chance. They but also they went for two at one point in the third quarter where they could have kicked the extra point. That would have been four points. That would have won it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, so that was, I. you know, we're going to go through all the games. That was kind of the thing I took away from a majority of these games. Overall, it's just like how the decision-making to go for it for two points and to go for it on fourth down instead of punting or kicking the field goal or trying for a long field goal. That's completely changed now. I guess it's the analytics that's telling you, hey, the percentages are worth it. Go for it. But it is, it blew up in so many fucking teams' faces this week. It's like shows you this is why you go with your gut feeling instead of, ah, the percentage works in our favor. It's crazy. Plus, the it doesn't always go – I mean, not all the screw-ups this weekend, and there were tons of them on fourth-down decisions. Not all the screw-ups were being overly aggressive. Mike Vrabel made two of the dumbest decisions I've seen recently – Fourth and two, you're down. Yeah. I think they were down like 10 points. It's fourth and two. I think they might have even been down one score. I think they were down seven. Fourth and two at the at the opponent's 40-yard line. You got Derrick Henry in the backfield. Ryan Tannehill converts fourth downs with his legs all the time. All the time. He's really good at it. And they punt in like in two very similar situations like that. And it's like you gave the ball back to one of the best ball possession offenses in the NFL who you haven't been no. really able to stop. And the Ravens go on like a 10-minute drive, wind up with a field goal, and then it's a two-score game. It's basically over. Brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Uh, how about Cole's uh, game was, was a good game, though. Back and forth the whole game um, up until the point where I think a beautiful pass by Josh Allen hits Diggs. And that puts him up, I think, two scores early in the fourth quarter. Um, man, that game was really going back and forth. And then towards the end of the game, there's this fumble. That's a clear fumble. Did you guys see that? Uh, oh, I want to say it was Pascal. Clear fumble, and then they they yeah. say he was down, and they blow the whistle. I don't understand why the refs are always so eager to blow the whistle. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I agree with you. It's ruined a lot of plays this year. And, you know, they're lucky it didn't really changed the outcome of the game because i think there was like 40 seconds left in the game and it really could have screwed things up for him yeah yeah definitely and they got to take a second look and everybody and their mother was looking at that like that was a fumble you could have yeah, called obvious that and they were like nah we're not gonna do it yeah and then right afterwards i mean that that put the cults at like the 45 yard line driving in try to kick a game tying field goal and immediately after that they throw a screen pass and the guy fumbles, and it goes backwards and out of bounds, and then they just watch like 30 seconds tick off the clock because every fucking play, Phillip Rivers is fighting with the play clock. He just can never get the snap off before there's like a second. To... I'm like having a heart palpitation the whole time. I'm like, get the fucking yeah. playoff. This is yeah. every single play. Literally. He takes forever up there. Flapping uh, his hands. A... Oh, yeah. I think that's a career for Phillip Rivers. I think that's a good career. He had a good career. I said, after the game, he's crying at the podium saying he thought this was the chance. But, you know, I mean, he had a good career. Pretty good player. <laughs> I, I know his numbers are inflated because of the times he plays in. And his numbers, you know, they're a lot better than they, they would be in a different time. But, um, yeah. I'll, I'll always it. remember him as fourth quarter Philly Rivers. You just... Just wait for he's going to fumble it. He's going to throw that hideous pick six. He's going to do something really dumb. And just... No. 
he's gonna he's gonna keep his team in there. He's gonna drive them all the way back, but then he's gonna break your heart. It's what? it's amazing that he lasted that long with that throwing motion. You know, I know you, terrible throwing motion. And to comment on what you said, John, it wasn't always that he would uh, blow it. It was that he would explode on the sidelines and his head would erupt, and then he would blow it. So he, <laughs> and then he'd explode even more. So it was abs. And he doesn't square, which makes it even funnier. He would be like, <laughs> be like, guard, darn it. Can you put, I don't even know how to speak like that. <laughs> and that's what he would do. It was comedy. It was really beyond football. It was absolute comedy at well, its finest. So, you know, I, I'll, that's what I'll miss. And it was, it was, like you said, it was calculated. It's like he'll keep you in there if it's a good team. Fourth quarter, he's going to absolutely lose his mind, then make a terrible <laughs> play, then yell at the refs in an absolute embarrassing fashion, and then lose. <laughs> so that's kind of what he does in a nutshell. And it's awesome. It's really good. Oh, man. So funny. Now he's going to go to the broadcast booth, and he's going to be able to do Philip Rivers swearing. The whole time. That's probably why they're all jazzed up about him being in the broadcast booth, because he's not going to have to censor at all. There's, he's no. already pre-censored. Oh, he's perfect. Dang nabbit, made for TV. Dang nabbit. <laughs> no, like, Dang nabbit. Uh, like, speaking of losing your shit on the sidelines, the Rams and Seahawks game. So I called this one as my most likely upset with the Rams taking out the Seahawks. Yep. The Rams defense just plays Seattle really well. They always do, and it's a great defense generally. Yeah, they uh, look good. DK Metcalf in the first half was driving me up a wall. This dude is bitching out everybody in the first quarter on his team. He's like, give me the ball. I want to have the ball. Give me the ball. It's the first fucking quarter, dude. Wait a second. You're faced up against the best cornerback in the NFL right now. And he bitches and moans so much that they call a play directly for him. I'm watching this shit on my couch. He goes in in motion across the formation, lines up on the left behind two other receivers. I go... Oh, great. DK complained his way into getting a wide receiver screen here. They throw it. Pick six. Goes to the house. I, I shit you not. I called this play as it was happening. Oh, wow. I'm a nobody. I shouldn't know your play. And yeah. because I see this dude losing his mind in an empty stadium where the whole other sideline can hear you. And then they, they call this play just to appease him. And it costs him seven points. Like, look, that is the, the epitome of a me first dude. Terrible. Russell Wilson. That that first quarter, the first half, oh my God, what has happened to him this season? The whole second half of the season, I know he's been not as good. This yeah. game, he looked he looked inept. That pick six, I mean, you could say what you want about DK, you know, clamoring for the ball, but that that throw to DK on the sidelines there, holy shit, that was awful. Even uh, be hurt. he didn't be make hurt. one good throw until kind of impro- improvisation there where. Um, he was scrambling to his left a little bit, and it looked like DK was kind of rolling out to the left with him and then mm-hmm. pointed towards the end zone, and, and that, it was a really nice throw. It was the only nice throw of the game, really. He, he does not look the same to me. There's something wrong with Russell Wilson. I think he's hurt. He's, I mean, someone mentioned that, and it makes sense because he was playing at an incredible level, and like you said, he just he doesn't look the same. He's not making the you know good decisions. The throws he's making aren't great. And then on top of DK on that that pass uh, that went for a pick six, like I think it was early second quarter uh, that he threw a ball, Russ threw a ball to him and it hit him right in the hands and dropped. And he <laughs> there was no one near him. And I was like, dude, what are you doing, man? How do you miss that? It was bad. 
just you know, stone hands. If if Russell Wilson is get is hurt and and has some latent injury, then it just costs Brian Schottenheimer his job. Their offense coordinator got axed this week. Uh, so at least from the coaching staff, maybe he's a sacrificial um, loss there, or maybe they decided you know the decisions he was making was making Russell Wilson play so poorly, and that offense just functionally inept. Uh, to, to be fair in this game as well, I mean, he is playing against a really good defense. You know, I don't want to put too, you know, take too yeah. much away from him. But Los Angeles looks is like good. the big boys, right? Yeah. They were kind of they were bullying them around. Uh, I know Seattle never has a great offensive line, but Aaron Donald is kicking people's teeth in on the, the uh, offensive line there. Yeah, so. right from the get-go. Leonard Floyd looked great. Uh, they got coverage. They got ability. I, I really like John Johnson. Hate his name, but I like I like the way that dude plays their safety. Um, and then, you would see Cassius Marsh got absolutely owned on the defensive line of Seattle. No, but that's great. Uh, and then, so we were going to see John Wolford. He gets knocked out at the beginning of that game. Jared Goff comes in, but not to worry. You get basically a clone playing quarterback for the football team on Saturday night. Taylor Heineke looked very similar to what I expected John Wolford to look like, where he, he runs around, he makes plays with his arms. With his You arm. thought Wolford would be that good? No one thought Heineke was going to be as good as he I, was. I knew Heineke, Heineke looked great last week. Yeah. So week, you know, <laughs> week 17, I was like, this dude can play. He came in and yeah. they're like, I said that to my friend who's a football team fan, uh, as it goes. And he was like, oh, it was one game or it was a quarter. Like, who knows? I was like, maybe. I was like, but I think you got something there. And then, boom, he was, wasn't was afraid of Tom Brady. Pretty pretty good. Yeah, he can play. All of Pat's nation was calling for us to trade for him after after one game. He Literally. does look like he he's not afraid though. I like that kid, man. He made a yeah. really nice uh, diving run, diving that was scramble sick. on the left side of the end that was zone. A great drive. Oh my god, man! I like. He's got some fire about him. He's yeah. got a decent arm. Um, he's not afraid. I I like him, but we'll see. Maybe they start him. Yeah, he's going to be in the competition. That's what Ron Rivera said. Uh, as far as the the Buccaneers sure. go, they just you know they kind of took care of business. They didn't do enough in the red area. They were only two. Good old Tommy. Yeah, good old Tommy. Yeah. Did you notice <laughs> when you guys were watching it that everybody, every single player out there had no sleeves except Brady. He's out there in his wetsuit. <laughs> he must. I didn't been, notice that, but he must have been so yeah. toasty. Everybody else was fine without sleeves. Wow. He's chilling. I can't believe how the ball still comes out of his hand at forty three. He looks unbelie- He looked unbelievable last week. Um, Dude, hitting fine. all yeah, those receivers, gelling with those receivers and that offense. And then the funniest thing is they've showed him because he became the oldest person to throw a touchdown pass in the playoffs. And they showed him next to who was it? Was it Otto Graham or George Blanda or someone? It's George Blanda. And and George Blanda looked like he was seventy compared to Brady. Brady's just chilling there, and they looked like they were so far different in age. It was incredible. He looks like, so fresh, man. Just his arm looks great. Oh yeah, I don't, he's firing the ball. He's, I don't see any literally. slowing down in him. He looks fucking awesome. And then Arians. How did they let that out. go? I can't believe. It. I don't know, man. Arians basically came out and said the players listened to him more than they listened to to uh, they listened to Brady more than they listened to him. <laughs> they <laughs> finally said that. Damning. Yeah, he finally said that. Yeah, the players listened to him more than they listened to Brady. Yeah, I'm like or they listen to Brady more than Arians. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty self-deprecating, but it's not surprising <laughs> at all. I mean, you haven't done shit, Bruce Arians, and Tom Brady's won everything. You know, 
he's, he's like a coach on the field. Then what are we paying you for? You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah, turn your headset off. Let the man cook. Got yeah, that I there were some really good memes online for the Brady George Blanda side by side where it's it's like me on Saturday night, me on Monday morning. It's yeah, like, yeah. Just shit like that. George Blanda looked like John Wayne. It was just and Brady had like ultimate light, like model level lighting. Yeah, of course. To be fair, it didn't say on that picture of George Blanda that he was 43 in the picture. That dude played till he was 47. He played till he was 47. Fair point. Fair point. I'm bummed that these two teams played each other uh, in the first week of the playoffs, but I would have liked to see them, you know, upset a couple teams. Football team, I'm sad to see them go. Let Heineke go, Heineke go on a run there. A Heineke was going runs. on a nice little run. Uh, that defense is a lot of fun to watch, man. Chase Young is he's, he's a special player, man. So here's I think the thing about that. Chase yeah. Young is awesome. And, you know, as a football team, I know it's Jack Del Rio coach uh, defense. Doesn't everyone and their mother know that you, if you want to take, you know, disrupt Tom Brady back there, get him off his rhythm, it's like take your best pass rusher and put him over your center and just have him own. Like, I know – it would be out of position for him, but he is such a freak. It's like if you put him on the interior of that line, you basically swapped your D ends and your D tackles, he would have been all up in sorts. Not like that's I mean, how you that, do it. I don't know if you need to do that for, for Washington. I mean, they're stacked along that whole line. I think they have Duran Payne, um That's true. A couple other kids that are just they like really high picks. The middle. That's what they need. You gotta get yeah, it's... You can't step up. Step up yeah. all day. He goes for three eighty one. That's what he does. That's Tommy B. Still, still kicking at forty-three. Didn't mean who would, to rhyme that B. No, I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> I was rhyming. Who would want to face Tampa Bay right now? Who wants to face Tom Brady in the playoffs? The Nobody. Saints. The Saints do. The Saints, yeah, maybe this because they beat them two nothing. But I don't know, man. Playoff Tom. Playoff Tom's a different. Attitude. Brady's not going to lose to Breeze three times in a season. I don't think he can live with that. Hopefully not. I can tell not you for impressed. sure the Packers did not want to see the Buccaneers. Definitely not. They definitely don't. Their home field advantage goes out the door with Brady. Okay. Let's talk about the Sunday games here. Uh, the Ravens-Titans, one of the best matchups of the weekend. This really boiled down to Derrick Henry couldn't get going. Another guy that, that seemed like he was mentally checked out with the way things were working out for him in that game. But the Ravens have, when they started Whoa. showing the the people that are in the the Ravens front seven, you're like, oh my god, their average weight is like three ten. They're huge. They're they are massive up front, and yeah. and like they got some some good athletes in there too. You know, Patrick Queen can really run at middle linebacker, uh, but they just totally mm-hmm. bottled up Derrick Henry, and the Titans never made the adjustment to be pass first. Yeah, they yeah. kept trying. They just couldn't seem to get anything going. Uh, they had very few big plays, which you know Titans usually pretty big play team either rushing or with aj brown Corey davis um had zero catches two targets um john smith didn't do much there was a couple plays to aj brown that you know aj brown's gonna make those plays he's a special talent um but i thought i just i was impressed with baltimore more than i thought you know tennessee was doing anything wrong just their defense is stifling and um i was really impressed they're good they're a good team yeah, uh, Ravens. Ravens are getting hot at the right time. Uh, really, Lamar Jackson. I know he threw a pick, but he was kind of just, you know, 136 yards rushing. He's just quicker than any everybody out there. Faster. 
So he's realizing that that's what he has to do to win, and he's just doing it. I mean, nobody else in, on off, offensively for them really did anything. And it's, uh, I mean, Marquise Brown actually had a pretty good game, but that was kind of it. Andrews didn't yeah, do a lot of it. Yeah. yeah, he looked good. Uh, the one thing I will say about Baltimore when they have the ball is Lamar Jackson's taking too many hits. I think he got sacked five times. Um, four of them were, were by your buddy there, Harold Landry uh, from BC. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just, you know, I don't know how many times he actually ended up running the ball, um, but between that and the sacks, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be pretty banged up come next week. Yeah, yeah, and they're gonna have a heck of a matchup next week against the Bills. We'll talk about that in a sec. But to wrap up the wild card, these last two games on Sunday were probably the worst games all weekend. Even though that that Bucks <laughs> football team uh, game was pretty pretty well handled by by Brady and crew. But the, the Saints, I, Saints just walked over the Bears. It's not like the Saints were particularly impressive to me either. Uh, just like the the Bears just don't have that much. I don't know why Khalil Mack doesn't seem to be very good anymore. I don't know what what could have happened. I was there. thinking that too. Yeah, like, yeah he just doesn't really pop. Yeah, he, he had hurt. one sack, and then there was a flag on the play, and he didn't get credit for it. So it was like, eh, could be hurt. Really no, you know, this late in the season. Maybe, but I feel like ever since Vic Fangio left that whatever they're doing with Khalil Mack is just something's missing. It doesn't add up. He's not the same player right now. He's not a he's you're right though. He's not a game wrecker. When I watch him I'm not like, you know, I could just be watching the game and he just stands out whereas like I'm watching him now and I'm he's not doing anything and I'm like what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Right? You're right. I I would take like 10 edge players over the way that he's playing right now. And meanwhile, you you look on ESPN or you know, during the game they have Drew Brees on one side and Khalil Mack is the face of the Bears on the other side. I'm like, he's not playing that that well. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Trubis- Trubisky. Trubisky thinks that he's going to be the quarterback there next year. I'm just playing. Your but boy. He might think Your so. Boy. Why didn't they bench him? What what the hell was going on there? You, I didn't get it. You got to give people context. He is not my boy. I like to shit on him. Every yeah. week. Every week. <laughs> but I like to bring him up every week. But I texted you guys during that game. I was like, the Saints do not want to see Nick Foles in the second half. I know. I don't understand why they didn't put him in. Like, what the hell is going? They're like, "Bah, we're losing the game. We can't do anything on offense. Mine as well. Uh, you know, just fucking go down with the ship. It's okay. We're gonna lose the playoff. It's like they accepted it. They fully accepted their loss already before it happened. Okay. All right, guys. Yeah, I think Foles would have been a nice changeup. And I, 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 one of my philosophies is you want to do what you're opponent doesn't want you to do and your opponent definitely didn't want to see nick Foles in the second half of a playoff game that was a pretty boring game i thought that was a boring game um the bears didn't really make any any good plays you know the whole fucking game and then the last play of the game is to jimmy graham he catches it in one hand runs right down the tunnel see ya and it was just like oh that might be his career too what a catch that was great catch great catch yeah they had a chance for a big play in the first half on that end around double pass that Trubisky dropped in the end zone to Denzel Mims and Mims just booted it. It was brutal. Yeah, that that hurt. And then the late game, uh, I missed the first five minutes or so of this game, and the Browns had the ball at, like, the Steelers' 20-yard line. They're driving in, and I'm like, oh, this is good for the Browns. And then it took me a couple minutes to look at the scoreboard, and they were already up two touchdowns. It's like, what What the hell happened in this game that they're up two touchdowns plus the ball in Steelers' territory within, like, five minutes? It was. It might have been the worst start to a game oh, they, I've yeah. ever seen. I think you're They right. were coming up 
with new ways to fuck up the game. The game started with the snap, and that was a touchdown, and it was, what, a, a big pass to, um, what the hell's his name, Landry? And then a, an interception. Were there two interceptions? Yeah. Leading to points, and before you know it, it's 28 nothing. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah, it was. It was like the, the first pathetic. quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the first quarter. It was like there was like three minutes left or something like that in, in the first quarter, and it was twenty-eight to nothing. I, I, like you said, I don't think I've ever seen it. I was just like, "What has just happened?" There's so much football. It was like fourteen nothing with like ten minutes to go in the first quarter. It's like, <laughs> what's happening here? So um, I kept watching because I knew the Steelers. I was like looking at the clock. I was like. The Steelers are too good on offense just to not do anything. Like they're going to score points. It's going to come to something. They're going to, you know, and they started scoring. You know, second quarter they started scoring. I was like, all right, here we go. So I kept watching, and um, yeah, there was a small window there where it looked like they they were going to stage a comeback. Uh, I want to say about halfway through the third quarter, they had put up twenty three points, and it was thirty five to twenty three at the time. They're down by, you know. 12 ready to go and then they let the clock get away from them they started punting the ball on fourth down when they needed to go for it before he knew it it was four then the browns couldn't be stopped browns look good yeah no coach on the sideline no coach no coach I, I was thinking before that game like couldn't you just give kevin stefanski a box at the state there's no one at the stadium just I know. hey so stupid just don't don't talk to anybody just follow this. You give them a little map, roadmap to get to the box, and you just stay in the box, and that's it. Maybe you're the first person in that day and the last person to leave, but whatever. No one's in the boxes. No one's there. You can't get, let this guy sit upstairs with the headphone, uh, headset, whatever. I I take so much pleasure in seeing Pittsburgh and and Philly lose. I don't know what <laughs> I just can't stand them. You um, hate the state of Pennsylvania, huh? Well, I just, you know, it's just a cocky <laughs> shit talking. Why do you talk shit? You know what I mean? And, and Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster before the game, I think they're the same Browns team I play every year. I think they're nameless gray faces. They have a couple of good players on their team, but at the end of the day, I don't know, the Browns is the Browns. Mm-hmm. What are you doing, man? Like, you're giving them more fuel. People, Why don't people understand that by now? Like... <laughs> First of all, you're limping into the playoffs on a team that hasn't done shit since week 11, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you were t- you talked shit about the – you danced on the Bengals' 50-yard um, line on their logo, and they came and rocked you and just destroyed your team. And you're still running your mouth, dude? Like, this game was basically – I thought it was over after the first quarter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The Browns were fired up. And is Browns it any played well. Lyman? They yeah. played well. I mean, I – you know, hey – the Steelers this year, I thought they were a good offense, and I thought their defense was really good. So I thought they had a chance to go really far. It's just I don't know if their defense they're hurt or something, but their defense really they gave up they didn't give up forty eight points, but they gave what they gave up over forty they gave up forty one, right? It's like yeah, I mean I don't really I know they statistically had a better defense than than most of the teams in the league uh, in the league this year, but scoring was way up. I don't really think. Anyone? Any, I don't really think there's right. anyone with a really good defense. I think you could say the Rams. I think that's probably the best defense. I know the Colts are pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the Steelers, D, it's like the 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 Ravens too. That's a that's a pretty good defense. But yeah, definitely them. 
Yeah, good good to see the Steelers bounced out. I I love that it was they're eleven and zero and and they only have one difficult game on their schedule and then they go one and five from then and they get bounced in the wild card. Not even make very similar like the Patriots last year. Quite very similar. Yeah, Roethlisberger looked rough too for the the first half. He was hurt pretty bad. I mean, he was hurt. Some really strangely strangely bad quarterback play for playoff football between Trubisky. Um, Goff, awful. Uh, Russell Wilson and Roethlisberger. I mean, you would expect better for playoff football teams. Yeah, definitely, no doubt. And so now we're we're in the the round of eight. We get to see those number one seeds from both conference. On Saturday, we got Rams going into Green Bay, Baltimore going into Buffalo, Cleveland is visiting the Chiefs, and Tampa to New Orleans. What do you guys see as the best game this weekend? Ooh. Uh, JJ, what do you think? Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I can tell you that the Cleveland-Kansas City game seems the least appealing, but they're all pretty damn good matchups. I got to say, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we've seen Tampa at New Orleans already twice. We know the outcome of that um, or of those. So you're not as excited to see that one just from that standpoint. But on the other flip side of that coin, it's Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. This might be the last time ever. This might be Drew Brees' last time in on the Saints or playing football or whatever. Uh, I think Baltimore versus Buffalo is just a great matchup. Fundamentally, it's like two pretty hard-hitting teams. Josh Allen looks is really ascending. He looks He's making all the throws he couldn't before. And then L.A. Green Bay. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for that one. Maybe I'm most excited for that just because it seems like the heaviest hitters right now besides Tampa. I, don't mm-hmm. know. I, think, I think I'd go... Buck Saints is the game I'm most looking forward to, uh, just from a talent all over the field, and I, and I just want to see playoff Brady, man. That's that's must see TV for me. Drew Brees, I don't know how much more we're gonna see of him. Maybe maybe we never see him again. Um, so for me, that's probably the game I'm I'm most looking forward to. Ravens Bills would be probably second. Um, really good defense against a really good offense. Um, see if the Bills can stop Lamar Jackson. I don't know. Something about the Bills this year. Uh, they look good, man. Uh, they they just they did well against uh, Indianapolis's D. That's a pretty good D. I think they could do it again. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with those. Yeah, I think I I go Ravens Bills. I think the Ravens looked really strong last week. They're a really balanced team. I think Buffalo's defense can can be exposed, and and that happened to some extent last week with Indy, where I I think the Ravens have a better offense generally, maybe not as strong a passing game, but I think that they're going to give the Bills defense a really hard time. And that that's got a strong chance for an upset. That's not my pick for an upset. I'm going to take Tampa over the saints. Got to think playoff Brady uh, as they, they've been giving him more of the keys to the kingdom in the second yeah. half of the season, where I think mm-hmm. that second matchup between the bucks and the saints it's it's not like it was in December. I think that was earlier in the season, and and I I think the Bucks have really integrated Antonio Brown more into that scheme. Mike Evans somehow didn't really get hurt when he hyperextended that knee uh, magically. So they have decent health offensively. The offensive line's a little shaky, but I'm a, I'm super stoked to see Brady play in the playoffs on the road, difficult environment. Um, and I think they got a really they got the best chance to perform the upset. According to Vegas, the most likely upset is Baltimore, followed by Tampa, 
followed by the Rams and then Cleveland in last place. Cleveland is Cleveland's the worst chances. Ten points. Cleveland's getting getting dealt. Oh, I'd, that's like the team I'd love to see. Upset. I want to pick them. I want to. I pick want them Cle- so I bad. love Cleveland. I mean, it's almost like Cleveland is a much less shiny, polished version of Kansas City. I feel like they've got a similar. No, it's like no. You don't think so? Look, got the, the the shitty, really shitty version of Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> they got the shitty versions of nasty receivers and nasty tight ends. They're like they're good, you know, and that's like what. And they have a good offensive line. Yeah, but really, I wish Cleveland played a little bit differently than they do. They seem a little too pass happy. Like yeah, they're like running. Use that. Gun. Use that. Yeah, use that offensive line more, man. You've got two really good running backs, like. Probably the best duo in the league, and I think you have the best offensive line in the league. You have plenty Great of tight end with Joku and Hooper. You got all these weapons. You can. I just. It's a little too pass happy for me, you know. Yeah. Oh, totally. And th- that was the the main objection I was going to raise to the comparison between the Browns and the Chiefs is the Chiefs are pass first, and and I th- I think of the Browns as run first. I w- I would propose that they that's the mentality they go into Kansas City with. I want Nick Chubb to have 20 carries. I want Kareem Hunt to have 15 touches, half of which would come through the air. Mm. Uh, I want those guys to be heavily featured, use Jarvis Landry on third down, and, and work those tight ends. Yeah. yeah. And love I, to think, see I think the uh, the Chiefs it. would have a tough time defending that too, you know? Definitely. They have the, you know, that that's one of the, the blueprints to beat the Chiefs. One of them is what we saw from the Raiders this year, which is push the ball downfield make four yep. four really big chunk plays, 30 to 50 yard plays and be able to put up points in the 30s with them. Another yeah, uh, version of how to beat the Chiefs is what we saw from Indianapolis last year where they had the ball for 43 minutes in that game and they just churned mm-hmm. it and churned it and that's the version that the Browns can actually do because not only can they do that ball control offense but they can rush the shit out of the passer. And mm-hmm. that's going to be incredibly important to get off the field on those third and longs. Yeah, I don't think they're like they're not an atrocious run defense. I think they're pretty they're pretty average. Um, they're probably towards the lower half of the league. But I mean, that's just even good teams would have a tough time stopping that that run game. I just oh, yeah. I don't know why they don't go to it more. You know, I mean, it, Nick Chubb was just looked fantastic last week. I mean, he has really all season, uh, but he just. You know, he's patient when he has to be running the ball. He goes right out at it when he has to. He's got a very good feel, I've, you know, for the game and how the backers and defensive line is moving. It's, it's pretty – it's fun to watch. Uh, once again, amazing. Uh, you know, I know Sony Michelle's coming on a little bit, but, like, how the hell did you – these two guys stand next to each other or run – you know, put on film next to each other, these guys, and be like, well, we're going to go with Sony way before Nick Chubb. I think what another – Another really huge thing for Cleveland too is uh, Denzel Ward. It's a really good corner, and he's coming off the uh, the COVID list, so him matching up against Tyree Kill might not be too bad. You know what I mean? I would love to see that. That's a good matchup. Yeah, he's he's far and away their best secondary player, and I believe he was on the exposure list, not the positive test. So hopefully he doesn't okay. doesn't have any any. I think they still oh. put him on the COVID list. Uh, that's just. Mm-hmm for accounting for it but the the point being that he won't have those cam newton lingering effects hopefully yeah uh they also have ronnie harrison who's another good player from uh, alabama mm-hmm. <laughs> rowdy ronnie yeah. harrison you know it yeah. um was there anything else you guys wanted to cover this week as we talk about the wild card and look ahead to the divisional round no no 
think we think we got to it. Surprise performer of this coming weekend. Surprise standout performer. Do we go with John Wolford going into Green Bay, taking out after he takes one hit in Seattle and gets sent to the hospital? Goes to starting over Goff. He's he hasn't practiced, but he's questionable. So Goff's not going to start if Wolford's back. I believe if Wolford is able to play, he will be starting. That's the the information I'm getting from my sources inside the building. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Surprise performer. I don't know. I know, right? Who's going to stand out? Who's going to score two touchdowns for the Browns? It's going to be, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones returns a kick for a touchdown and catches a long pass down the sideline. There you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm sticking with that one. He looks impressive when you just see him on the field. You're like, dang, who is is that dude? Watch it be like Tampa Bay, Scotty Miller, Stevie Miller, whatever that little guy's name is. Comes in. I feel like I always see him uh, blocking down the field, too. He's a really good blocker. He looks like fast, too. This is the Peoples-Jones. Peoples Jones, yeah, yep, yep. Or the other kid I like uh, for New Orleans is uh, Little Jordan Howery. Humphrey, That's his real name, Little Little jo- Humphrey. Humphrey, oh little, my God, Little Jordan Humphrey. Little Jordan, <laughs> Little Jordan can play. What the hell is that? Kid's no joke. It's his real name, dude. Little Jordan. First name L I L Jordan. I don't know what what punctuation is in there, but it's fantastic, and he's good too. He's a big dude. Yeah, Little uh, Jordan. Yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be looking out for some of these uh, under the radar high performers for this weekend. But uh, thank you guys for listening, and hope you enjoy some of the banter. We'll be back with more more Patriots related content as we get some to talk about. But certainly as we close in on the off season. But in the meantime, let's enjoy some meaningful NFL football. And uh, with there's only like seven games left in the whole year. There's seven left. Crazy. Ah, It goes so fast. Okay, we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Adios.